0: Field and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: All right, welcome in Reno, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. It's the Battle Born Sports Hour brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers here on a Wednesday. Justin Watkins is in. He's our ESPN legal insider here in the state of Nevada. We got the big four on the way. Wheeler Ramirez is in later in the hour. We'll probably get to a little... Uh, XFL Talk is another one of the uh, staffers from the Vipers. They're going to be starting up in the new year. Uh, we'll be joining us, but let's get to the uh, Big Four at Four.
0: Battleborne Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number four. All
2: right. First of all, Justin, how you doing, buddy? Everything's good. Good, good. weekend of football. Good. You know, happy uh, with the comeback.
1: Uh, we'll get, We'll get to Oregon State yeah. and Oregon. And, uh, you know, Willie, I wanted to alert you to the fact that, uh, what was it about two weeks ago, Ari, we had George Reister on who played at Oregon and played in the NFL. We were talking some Jaguars, but we got to a little bit of pac 12 and that's when Oregon was sitting pretty before their final three games. And I was like, I think there's a chance Oregon's going to lose two of the last three games. And he was like, what? Who? Then after the show, he tweets out what I said. And he's like, get after this guy, duck fans. Haven't heard a thing from them. Yeah, what happened? They lost two or three games. I, we'll, we'll get to the Beavers because I like I, I knew that considering that a walkover was completely absurd. All right, we got the Pac twelve title game coming up. Yeah, and I wanted to bounce this off of both of you guys because I think we got some ticket stuff to get into. And when we get more legal in a little bit, I want to talk about ticket resellers and Ticketmaster. So the RJ put out uh, numbers using whatever resale site, right? Right. I'm so tired of seeing. Average value of resale uh, tickets on these sites as some indicator as to how well attended an event is going to be. Were you at the Pac-12 title game last year? Yeah. What was the attendance like? I thought it was incredibly spotty. I didn't think any Oregon fan showed up and Utah fan showed up. I, th- I thought the, like the one side was all red,
3: but yes, there were I was, tons and I was, tons of empty seats. I was and I, now that you bring that up, I was stunned that there were more that it was that heavily imbalanced yep. the other thing that i how big was the crowd do you think if, they, if
1: it's configured for 57,000 plus the boxes what you could see what do you think it was if i'm i thought like 35,000 30,000 30, yep uh, I, in, I, in in the paper today last year's game utah oregon drew a crowd of 56,000 you're at i'm not gonna curse but what no no it may have been reported as a sale of 56,000, but there weren't 56,000 people no. there. And that's the issue here.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, because I remember also, because it was Josh Dubow and I reporting for AP, I remember he and I commenting that there was a bigger crowd in that arena or in that stadium for BYU Arizona. You remember they kicked right. off the season. And I was commenting that. A kickoff, a sort of a kickoff classic with the, with the Pac-12 school, B, Arizona, and BYU no, had a bigger. much bigger crowd. All right, so
1: what's what's the deal? First of all, we should not be using average ticket price because I think those are manipulated. Totally. And and like, okay. wh- what do you suspect is the deal? Because I think this is happening at events all over Vegas where we're told you know, there are certain crowds that are showing up and, and tickets sold. And then we see these inflated values. And then I've had it happen where I walk into a stadium and I'm like, what? There's no one here.
2: Yeah, I no. Screw I, I, you. Know what? And I think I think journalistically, we're taking part in. The journalists are taking part in this. Don't don't give me some average resale ticket value on a Monday for a Friday or Saturday game from you know, let's say one of the resale sites that we know starts high, waits for volume to come in, and slowly declines on the ticket prices so that the actual resale price might be one tenth of a number that you put in there by the time you know kickoff happens so number one well you know wh- why are they doing it well obviously the ticket resellers are doing it and feeding this story and saying what these inflated prices so why
1: are, are they being. doing it are they being paid or is this just clickbait
2: it's better for the well right it it's, clickbait. The it's, it's, clickbait. Clickbait. it's clickbait it's clickbait to say like oh look at look how great a greatly attended Ve- a vegas event is and look how expensive it is and look at how much people are uh, total disservice yes, to the public i agree 100 percent with you that ain't right not at all i, I want to get
1: into what's going on with something's happening where either these ticket resellers are getting tickets in bulk because there's a lot of events that are empty and we already got into the ticket master thing last week i want your take on what's going on and the, the white house speaking up but that's coming up in about 15. vgk number three vgk on a road trip yep what do we think? What's going to happen the rest of the way here?
2: Yeah, I, you know, if, if the way that they're playing right now, I, just give me half the points plus one, you know. Um, and, you know, they got the Columbus game. Columbus at the bottom of the standings. They're literally in last place. But they didn't play a poor game. They found a way to win. Um, you know, we got, we, got to, we got to split it the rest of the way.
3: I'm a, I'm a road guy. Yeah, I'm a road guy simply because I cover I've covered, I've, lit, I've talked to these guys on and off the record uh, outside the pandemic year. And then the next year when we you know, when they were brought ushered in Um Road trips are they're more focused, and and I think that it's too it's 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 too difficult to talk about you know playing three games and four nights over a Thanksgiving holiday. Your focus on that off day is on your friends or your your family, your loved ones, your kids. You know I've heard it time and time again that they that teams come off road trips that first game home or that first day in between, they're with the wives, they're with the girlfriends, or they're with their families, whatever it is that they're doing, but they're getting back into their regular lifestyle after a nine, ten, eight, six-day road trip, whatever it is. Perfect example. Look how well Vancouver played on the road, Mm -hmm. right? They built up their momentum. That's a good hockey team. They've got some veterans on that team that are still on that on that team. It's a dangerous hockey team. Yeah. I, I'm not saying when I say it's good, what I mean, Justin, is it's not Vegas caliber. Right. It's not what we're seeing from Dallas. It's not from Boston. I get it. Right. Guess what? They went home last night. One day off after a road trip, they got thumped by the Washington Capitals who, excuse me, are struggling this year. They're inconsistent. Yep. So I think the Golden Knights going on the road. They needed that shootout win. They got a boost by that rookie. It's yep. the second time we've seen, by the way, Cotter and Thompson sort of come together and mm-hmm. be the stars of a game. Yep. What else do they have to do but focus on hockey? Last weekend, last week was the worst week they could have been at home to have three games and four nights. Yep. Sorry to tell you. I love that they're on the road. Yeah, I like what you're
2: saying. I, I mean, I love that Logan Thompson called for Cotter yeah. to Cassidy yeah, yeah, yeah. in the shootout, yeah. knowing what he's doing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. That and I love play, that but, Cassidy listened. Yeah, it's it's awesome. You know, it's awesome what the what the young kids are getting are getting done. Um, You know, I, I like Cotter. I mean, I think his, his game needs to develop a little bit more to be consistently in the lineup. Um, I like your point about Vancouver because, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're probably not going to be a playoff team, but they have some dangerous players. And if you look in the analytics – jack eichel and horvat are considered two of the top five players analytics wise uh, over replacement value in the league so they have some really dangerous players quinn hughes and, and the like so yeah i mean but i think that they're just in a little lull right now you can't expect to win 13 of 16 games the entire season along and so you know what just give me at least half the points it'd be great to get four or six that'd be awesome um you know i hope they do it number
3: two, number two.
2: latest survey out willie loves surveys
1: crapping <laughs> on raiders fans in vegas at the games
3: what's going on here i you know i put this on there so i could crap on this survey okay good they didn't crap on raiders fans in las vegas they just basically said las vegas rank raiders ranked number two on list of rudest fans but if you read the story in, in full, it just basically is about fans. Eagles number one, Raiders number two, and then they break it down by percentage of why and what. I'm sorry, but... And they said, here's the best part, 1,500 fans that regularly watch NFL games. 1,500? So divide that into 32? So you're telling me that you break that down? What is that, Justin? Easy math around 50 fans per fan base? Yeah. Come on. They, they're basing this off the old black hole up in Oakland when things were unruly. I mean, don't get me wrong. Allegiance already seen some some fighting and whatnot, but you're not basing this off of two years, not three, because there were no fans in 2020 because Mark Davis wasn't allowing fans. He said, if we can't all get in, I'm not going the whole bit. You know, we, we know what he said. Uh I'm not buying that this has to do with Vegas. I'm buying this has to do with old Oakland Coliseum fans.
2: As a non-Raiders fan, um, you know, I agree it's not a scientific poll, but uh, (laughs) it seems like they got number one and number two right in my mind. (laughs) What was it like down at Qualcomm with the Raiders fans? Oh, the worst. Oh, it was the worst. I hated going to that game. I loved reselling my tickets to that game because you get a bundle for them. But, yeah, Raiders fans are
3: awful let me ask you uh, this. i think
2: it's a di- i
1: actually think it's a different crowd now depending on where you sit i think it's a different crowd at a legion so oh. i went to a game early this year against the cardinals uh later in the game it uh, might have gotten a little oh, more vocal one second please uh i am going to the chargers this weekend yeah and i am debating whether one of us is going to be wearing her charger stuff and i'm not a her
2: <laughs> yeah
1: so that'll be interesting
2: but but as i understand the poll it's not talking about the rudest fans in stadium it's talking about
1: It never really really said that. It did mention that it's a, you know, fancy will start fights, but
2: that could be at a a local bar. Well,
3: it says, when it comes to rudest fans' behaviors during football games.
2: Yeah. So, watching, watch shows, all that. Number
1: one. Boy, it seems like it's been forever. It has been like 700 plus days. Deshaun Watson is back. I will be rooting for him. I hope he does well. I think he will play like hell. I already bet the Texans. So there you go, Willie. Our Texan Jags bet, and now affected by my uh, wagering this week. Uh, there is a story out there that Tony Busby will be at the game with at least ten of
2: the alleged victims. What do you think? Any legal issues here? No legal issues, but I, I think it's. I don't know. I mean, depending on what his motives are, it seems a little beneath the profession to to exploit your, you know your clients in a okay. in a fashion that's I think intended to you know prop yourself up
1: can I jump in and this is no offense to you but yeah. I think a lot of people listening right now would say attorneys beneath what profession yeah well isn't but isn't hasn't Busby already kind of shown that he is, if there is a standard he's willing to be, he's willing to be beneath that standard
2: yeah but that doesn't, that doesn't mean we shouldn't aspire for better right I mean we're one of the professions that has encoded ethical rules right I mean we have in writing in every state and on the federal level ethical rules and aspirational rules of character that we have and some can be enforced and used to dispar like this this wouldn't be one of those situations if all they do is go there to attend but I, but i think it's below the the aspirational goals of this profession to use your clients in that way now if the client said we want to go and make a statement and we're going to hold up signs in protest to this player playing, and we want you there in case something goes wrong, or to give us some advice. Okay, then hey, then he's doing, then then he's actually doing them a service. I don't know. I don't know what's behind that. What do you got, Willie? You think it's a pub stunt? You're grossed out by it? You like it?
1: I mean, basically, Busby said the attorney for the women that hey, they want to send the message that uh, we're not to be forgotten. We are victims. We're not to be forgotten. It, are they really forgotten? I mean, because because he got by to, most people, yes. Yeah, I think most people have moved on. They're like, "Hey, he served his penalty,"
3: uh, you know, or I think he's a slime ball. I think the people that think what you said first were in. The, we're, we're already thinking that in the first place. Like, okay, these are accusations. These are allegations. The people that think he's a slime ball have thought he's a slime ball. I don't think that anything's changed. Mm-hmm. I think there's been set audiences since, because I think when you talk about allegations and accusations, and it's a very touchy subject to, to, to sort of broach. But I think that you're either on one side, unless there's clear-cut proof and evidence, you're either on one side or the other. You either think he's scum, or you never did.
1: Big Ford Four brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers.
0: Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: Justin Hawkins in his studio. Why not, right? He's here. Uh, Battleborne Broadcast Center. Willie as well, 766 1400. Call from anywhere in Nevada to Battleborne Injury Lawyers. We were just talking about the Pac 12. You're a Pac 12 guy. A lot of people here in Vegas want to be Pac-12 people, but no invite yet for uh, UNLV. No invite yet for San Diego State either. So we'll, no. we'll see what happens in the offseason or when that's ever going to happen when we find out about TV deal. Th- this was an awesome year in the Pac-12. This, you know what? This was an awesome year in college football. Yeah. And I'll just say to everyone who listens, you're welcome. Because you know who told you it was going to be an awesome year? And more awesome <laughs> years are coming? Me. Because while everyone else... In media, is like, hey, same old teams. It's boring. You know, Alabama's never going to lose. It's all cyclical, okay? And the fact that there's a transfer portal, That's the it. depth isn't there anymore at these big schools. You have some injuries. Guys are leaving. The superpowers are not what they have been for the last five or six years. That all aside, the, the slap on the back. This was a really good year for the Pac-12 because they had some really elite teams, yet they did have balance, mm-hmm. and Oregon State is proof. Of some of the balance, and I mentioned at the beginning of the hour, when people just start looking at USC and Oregon, ah, they're just going to roll. USC did roll through; it wasn't easy. They lost to Utah. They're in the title game here. Utah's in the title game. Oregon fell apart down the stretch, and one of the reasons is in your game, the former Civil War. Is there a new name, by the way?
2: They don't have a new name. Okay, I tried to look up the name. I mean, we all, all the grads call it Civil Civil War still because they don't have a name. Did you think that was going to happen? No.
1: I mean, why not? Well, I mean, did did. you went to Oregon, by the way. Justin went to Oregon State. Right. Yep. You weren't that confident.
2: No, I, I mean I knew it was possible, but without our starting quarterback, I knew we had no passing game, and I just didn't think that we were going to be able to run that consistently. You know, we didn't throw a pass for the entire fourth quarter, and ran hundreds of yards on them. They knew a run was coming every play, and I just didn't think that was possible. The reality is, is we should have beat USC. The reality is, we should have beat Washington if we would have had our starting quarterback, we don't have our starting quarterback and we lost those games by three points each. And so I, I, I was preparing myself for the idea that despite the fact that it was in research stadium and we play well in research stadium in the civil war, every time that without our quarterback, without chance, Nolan, it was going to be difficult. That's what I thought. And, you know, at the start of the fourth quarter, I was like, yeah, pretty difficult. And then, four minutes later, all of a sudden we had the lead. It was, it, it was one of the most bizarre four minutes of football that I can remember.
1: It's a good program. You know, we had talked months ago about a uh, California recruit, one of the top ten quarterbacks in California, Chiles, um, who's going to Oregon State. So, I mean, yeah. they're recruiting at a, at a high level. All right, let's talk Pac-12 game. So, USC and Utah. I was just telling you guys during the break, I listened to a lot of sports talk radio, and I was listening to a show out of the Northeast last night and there was a guy on, and they, all they would say is his first name, but he was questioning if Utah fans would show up to the Pac-12 title game. And I was like, I almost drove off the road. I'm like, yep. you, have, you have no idea of the region, brother, and what Utah fans, BYU fans will do to not only show up, but they're here. Right. And then I was asking you, what's your read on USC fans? Are they completely back? Will they make the road trip? Is this going to be a giganto crowd? Well,
2: USC is not a giganto crowd. Like, I've been to a dozen different games in the Coliseum when USC is a top 10 team when they were winning national championships under Pete Carroll I was there and they still didn't sell out they they are just not a gigantic so, crowd it's also now, it's a chill group yes it's a chill and, I'll, group. and I'll say this I'll, I'll say I think they'll do better than they normally would this right. year I think there's a lot of momentum behind that and before I lose the mic let me just make a little pitch to the Las Vegas Bowl bring in an Oregon State They want to come here more than they want to go to San Diego in the Holiday Bowl, which is considered a better bowl, the Alamo Bowl or the Sun Bowl. All of my alumni friends are like, are we going to get Vegas? They want to come here and they will travel.
3: Did you were you here? Were you at were you in Oregon State or did you already graduate? Were you here when they played here with Stephen Jackson?
2: Stephen Jackson came Right after I graduated, I was hit, I was there for the Fiesta Bowl season with Jonathan Smith was the quarterback, the Fiesta Bowl. So I graduated in two thousand one.
3: Okay, so well, uh, my point Jackson is is that they brought. How young do you think this guy is? Yeah. What's going on here? Relax over yeah. there. But but yeah, <laughs> it was, that crowd was fantastic. How was that that game? And there were actually six mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. Yep. There's Richard Siegler from Chaparral, Lawrence Turner from Cheyenne, Steven Jackson, some linemen. Fant- and Let me tell you, the Beavers brought it. That's
1: what I love. Bring them, bring them back. Twenty minutes ago, we were talking about tickets, right? So um, the RJ insist on using, you know, Tickdork.com, whatever, for the, this resale thing to get average price is this, and it's it's not a good gauge. Um, I believe there's something going on with both in the NFL and for big events in college. What are, are blocks of tickets being given? To ticket resellers because there are so many times you see the high prices even up to the game, and then so the impression you have is, hey man, this is a hard ticket to get, and then you get in and they're sixty percent full, and that happens at Raider games, yeah, where you you look up and you're like, wait, there's ten thousand empty seats here. What is happening?
2: This is legal. So so, I'm maybe maybe not right. Like it depends upon. I mean, I think we have with. Take, funny, it takes Taylor Swift and Ticketmaster to, to, to get everybody on the same page, Republican, Democrat, everybody across the political spectrum saying, wait a minute, some we need to like peek under the hood here and see how you're working. Because Ticketmaster would say, hey, we do everything we can to ensure that nobody gets blocks, these ticket resellers, mm-hmm. but they're ahead of us on the curve of these bots. But the reality is, is you're benefiting from that right? You are benefiting from these bulk sales because it drives up your ticket price because you can guarantee you're going to sell a whole bunch of tickets. And are you really trying to ensure that real people are buying tickets right off the gate every time? I think we're going to start to find out. I think there's going to be like, I think there there already is an open Department of Justice investigation. I think there's going to be like congressional hearings on this kind of stuff as there should be. And if it is the case that they are part of manipulating these ticket prices, is that legal? No, that's not legal. That's fraud, right? And and so either you're going to see all these voluntary changes all occur really quickly mm-hmm. based on the threat of what's come down the pipeline, or you're going to see some people get in trouble.
1: And if there are people out there who are like, why is this the government's business? No, no, hold on a second. Yeah. Because in this town and most others – These events are housed in places we built, that we paid for. So I'm going to, you know, our tax money, stop at the hotel tax thing. It's not right. Our tax money helped build Allegiant. And the majority of us can't friggin' go to the events because of something squirrely going on with the ticket distribution. So, yeah, that that is a time for the government, state or federal to step in enough.
2: On top of that, anytime that you're dealing with potential monopolies and antitrust, that's if the government doesn't do anything, we literally are without the power to do anything. That's by definition, monopoly. We have no other choice. Only the government can get in there and fix that. And lastly, why is it the government's business? Because if it is fraudulent, it is a crime. And based on the number of instances, it's a crime of pretty epic proportions when you talk about each sale is an instance of fraud. Um, so, yeah, I want my government to ensure that I'm not being defrauded by an economic system that I help create through my tax dollars. You got no fire on this one, do you? Do you, get, you don't go to events that often.
3: That's, yeah, I don't. I've. Been, you know what? I went to a Golden Knights exhibition game. It was the first time I'd been inside T-Mobile for any sporting event since it was built as a fan. Never been to a I can't tell you the last time that I walked into a sporting event as a fan. Uh,
1: By the way, that is interesting that you bring up the Golden Knights because the Golden Knights has kind of corrected itself over the years, right? Yeah. I think naturally. Yep. And then they even went with, hey, here's this is the approved ticket reseller. And there are times before games, especially last year when they were down a little bit, you could see what the draw was for the game. You could get in lower level for you know less than ninety bucks. I haven't seen any of that correction at a Legion yet, and maybe maybe I miss it because I don't try to go to concerts there. Maybe there are super cheap concert tickets, but but
2: but I, but I especially there's some. The NFL seems weird to me. Well, I think their Golden Knights also have a different motivation, right? The, I mean, their owner, Bill Foley, specifically said. I want residents. I want VGK fans in the building. I don't want all these other fans, and I don't care what it costs us. So, like t- season ticket holders like me, have to do these pledges. And if I resell my tickets a number of times, I get flagged. Yes. I mean, I've. I was never... just
3: going to ask you if that's still an attack because I don't know. I've I'm never a sold a season ticket.
2: Yeah, or. I've never sold one of my tickets. I give away a ton of tickets, yeah. but I've never sold the tickets. So I don't. I don't know. I've never been flagged, I've never been questioned when on you that, say I, sell. Yeah.
3: Clarify so people understand you've never put them on the secondary market to be sold off of the app.
2: For me being clear, I've never sold my tickets. Right. <laughs> no, but, well, I'm, yeah, just saying, yeah, I'm just yeah, saying I'm saying like we're, I have close friends
3: yeah. like someone we spoke of yeah. earlier, right? But I only want my money back. Yeah. So I just say, "Hey, you just paid my face out. Like I yeah. never marked them up." Right. I just have them for promotional purposes. Yep. My son goes or clients of our gym. Right. But other than that, I don't resell them either. I just do it. Hey, well, I'll just get the face value back and transfer them to you.
2: Yeah. But my point is the correction didn't just happen organically. It was with intention. Right. They did not want these tickets resold. They would be happy if all their season ticket holders were the ones who attended the game. That's what they wanted. Yes. Now, that's not happening at Allegiant. They are. It's Wild West. Sell away.
1: Go crazy. The other team wants to come in and make it a home environment. What can we do about it? Right. Well, you just mentioned it. You, you can do something about it. That is interesting. I wonder who's going to push the Raiders on that in the future. Right? Nobody. The fact, w- that, the fact that it's, you know, oftentimes it's a 50-50, 60-40, 40-60 balance. What can we do about it? Or is that a director from the NFL?
2: Hey, make all you can. I, I got to imagine that that can be dictated by each team and what their motivation is, right? If you wanted a home crowd, you could do that. We we remember that. Actually, the, the, the Niners-Rams game, they did that. So you can, right? The NFL is going to be okay if you say you want a home crowd and you're willing to take less profit in order to get it. It's Nevada Sports Talk Hour brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. Call
1: from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. Anywhere in Nevada, 766-1400.
0: It's time for ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider, Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: Justin is here. All right, let's get into uh, one story I skipped past, right? There was a, a big football story on the field after the game in that Civil War. Oregon State, Oregon. We see an Oregon player
2: get all peeved, and it looked like he took a swipe at a fan. So where are we on this yeah it's funny because the fan was wearing like a uniform but not the uniform that oregon state was playing in that day so he was like all dressed up and he had shoulder pads and everything on it looked like to me from the video but he was wearing the black home jerseys not the orange jerseys that they were wearing um looked like a sucker punch to me i mean the the kid wasn't even anywhere like in the vicinity but even if it's a sucker punch and even if this kid didn't do anything to get it started I don't know that it's necessarily a slam dunk for the kid. I mean, the kid probably wins more often than not in front of a jury,
1: but there's going to be. are saying the, the person who got swiped at?
2: Yeah. Why? Does,
1: the, does the player have a
2: defense that I got fooled by the, the outfit? No, no, not no. because of that. I think you have an assumption of risk issue by the. You, you're not even supposed to be down oh, here. I love this. Right? You're I not even it. supposed to be uh, down here. This... I shouldn't be. You shouldn't be in my way. This goes and back I consider to the... every one of you a threat. Say it again you're not supposed to be down here. And when you are down here, I consider you a threat. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in self-defense mode always. And you know what? I think there's some jurors and some judges that are going to hear that and go, yeah, you kind of assume the risk when you went down there and there's an opposing team and they're trying to get off the field and you're blocking their way that you might get roughed up. This goes back to the uh, malice at the palace. Yep. Right.
1: All these idiots are running on the floor. Some little short meatball runs up on Jermaine O'Neal, and he decks him. Yep. One of the greatest moments in sports history. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. that be- <laughs> you run, hey, you're on the floor, and
2: there's a 6'11", 250 guy? Yep. You want you want to threaten him? Punch in the face. Yep. Ultimate justice. Yeah. I, I'm saying, just to be clear, I'm saying more often than not, this this kid is going to win. The spectator is going to win. But I don't think it's a sure thing like it would be if they were just out on the street walking right. and minding his own business.
1: We had a wacky situation here in town. We had a women's college basketball invitational tournament played in a ballroom at the Mirage. And, Willie, really, there were all sorts of problems because safety precautions were not taken before the game.
3: Yeah, there are no bleachers for fans, only folding chairs, no security, no scoreboards. And basically, Justin... Uh, the, the, the most terrifying part about it was Auburn's Carissa Richardson, she falls hard on her back, hits her head in a game against Colorado State, needs medical attention, no paramedics on site. She had to lay on her back for nearly an hour. She was responsive, but just not good. Not yeah. a good scene.
2: Yeah, it's not. And, and from, like, a legal perspective, where do you – where I think that legal standard is, the standard of care in these kind of events, you would actually know this better than I do because you go to all these types of events. But I go to, like, you know – High school volleyball games and there's paramedics on site right, right. like i go to a high school uh, you know track and cross country there's paramedics on site i go do a volunteer 5k where i'm running in the 5k there's paramedics on site i would expect any collegiate sport any sport the olympics and other uh, you know the less non-revenue generating sports to have paramedics on site now legally as far as a claim goes does that entitle that player to a action against the promoter or the venue or whoever put it on? Maybe if the allegation is something got worse because I didn't get the attention in a timely fashion. So paramedics should have been there in five minutes. It took 50 minutes in that course of those 45 minutes. Here is what got worse. And it shouldn't have happened that way, which is frankly, it's a tough bar to clear.
3: I personally, and I did this Monday also, and I can't remember who we had on that day, Steve. But I jumped in. I said, "I want to clarify that I don't feel this is on the EMTs and their delay to get that. This you is know. Las Vegas. This is the Strip. Yep. There are issues. It was a weekend, and the fact that you know they have to get into the Mirage, which was tough. This falls on the promoter. The EMT should have been on site." Yeah, couldn't agree more. Seven six six fourteen hundred
1: is the number. Give Matt and Justin a call, remind people where Matt can be seen because Matt has a lot of exposure as well and we never promote that.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's on uh, Channel 3 News. He does a weekly segment on there uh, about breaking down the law. Uh, and you can see, you I mean, if you wanna see us, you call us, you can come near. We're, this go. isn't a law firm where, uh, you know, we do all the promotion and do none of the work. You, you'll meet with us if you call. 766-1400, thank you. Thanks.
0: It's Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
3: Oh. It is Cofield and Company, your Nevada Sports Hour right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Willie Ramirez along with Steve Cofield, our quarterback the show back at the Lotus Studio. We are at the Battleborn Studios. Joining us now on the show, XFL Vipers defensive line coach Chuck Presnahan and of course former couple of times with the Raiders when they were in Oakland coach how are you doing well doing how well. about you guys? How you guys oh we're doing great doing great just a busy week here uh it's Wednesday and we've already had more headlines than we've had and I don't know but boy we're uh <laughs> between UNLV football and the Raiders all of a sudden on a two-game win streak and playing at home this week we got the Pac-12 championship and oh my we got the XFL coming up soon so exciting things happening here in Las Vegas uh so let's start right there with the XFL and just um, how excited things are you just had the draft and, and and how things are shaping up because all i've heard is positive feedback how this time around this league is going to be is going to be here to stay
0: yeah i think it's it's a real great opportunity for you know coaches for one thing i mean it's it's just a chance for us to get out and do what we love to do but more importantly it's a great opportunity for these players that were drafted and uh, you know there, there's a real need for Another league because there's so many players out there that just haven't gotten the opportunity in the NFL, or you know, right at the cusp of making it and didn't quite make it. So it's a great opportunity, and I think that it will be run correctly. You know, knock on wood, we have no pandemic. Uh, you know, we just get this thing up and running, and and I couldn't be more excited that uh, to be a part of it.
3: Yeah, and I mean, and you have such an extensive career as far as your coaching career is concerned. I mean. You know from uh, going dating back to 1983 from college to the pros, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, a couple of stints with the Raiders. And then you've you've been with a couple of sort of startup or, or developmental pro leagues. Um, what have you noticed different in, in, in terms of the you know these different leagues as they come about and fade away in, in where the XFL in its continuing to plug away, With its initial attempt so many years ago, of course, they had a a team here in its inaugural season.
0: Well, you know, the thing about it is everybody's got a different philosophy on how to get these things started. And, you know, I've been involved with three different startup leagues, so to speak, uh, and they've all lasted for, you know, Decent amount of time, but nothing great. And then, of course, the pandemic set in and and shut down the XFL 2.0. But the thing about this one is, you know, you got new ownership, number one. And I don't think that they are going to fall into some of the traps that maybe some of these other leagues have tried to do about getting started too quick and go, you know, putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. Um, they've taken their time, they've done it right, they've done their research, they've got the finances in place. And, you know, again, I just think it's a great opportunity for – everybody from management to ownership to coaching to players to you know the athletic trainers equipment video people it's it's a great opportunity to get people more experience and for guys like me that have been around for a long time it's a great chance to come back and try to mentor young coaches but also you know have a huge impact on some of these players
3: yeah and, and... You know, as far as being here in Las Vegas, there the the excitement since the Golden Knights arrived and then the arrival of the Aces and, of course, the, the Raiders um, and, and the Aces coming off of a WNBA championship, there's got to be a bit of excitement no matter the level of league that we're talking about. Now we're talking about adding an NBA team and a Major League Baseball team, but even for the XFL. Does, does that excitement sort of bleed over, even though we're talking about three of the big five sports, WNBA, NBA, NFL, NHL, Major League Base, you know, um, where this falls? Is there still sort of an excitement to sort of feed off of the pro sports scene that's grown in Las Vegas?
0: Uh, there's there's no question. I mean, you know, when you, when you hit a sports town, and I really believe Vegas is a sports town. You look at what uh, Mark has done with the Raiders, coming here and the attendance, you know, just everything. And then people from the visiting team want to come to Vegas just to come experience the Vegas atmosphere as well as the new stadium. But it, there's enough to go around for everybody and everybody craves football during the, you know, the, the winter months. And I think this is a great opportunity to spread that out. But football is football and sports are sport and they rally people. And so, you know, right now coming out of the pandemic, things opening back up, I think there's enough room for everybody, uh, to really, you know, have great, uh fan support for this i think we're going to put an outstanding product on the field uh you know rod is uh, rod woodson is our head coach and you know i had the honor and privilege of coaching him his last 2 years in the league and couldn't be working for a better person first and foremost but this guy was a coach on the field so he brings a player perspective to the pos- position and he's made it all about the players. It's not about us as coaches. It's it's about getting these players an opportunity to go out and show their greatness. And and you know it's just been so much fun to be a part of. And we're all excited to get it going. But we couldn't ask for a better place, you know. And and to be here where the Raiders are, you know, having my experience, like you said, in two stints with with the Raiders, it's a great opportunity to be in the same location that they're at and try to live up to the standards that hopefully they're setting. And with these two overtime wins back-to-back, I mean, the, the bar's going up, and hopefully it'll continue to do so.
3: Speaking with the XFL Vipers defensive line coach Chuck Bresnahan, former Raiders assistant, 1998 to 2003, and then he served again as a D.C. Um, later on. I believe it was, you came back in 2011 is the DC, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, you talk about coordinators moving on to the next level. We've, uh, you know, we have two storylines going here in Las Vegas, right? We have Josh McDaniels in his second stint as a head coach, of course, made his bones as an offensive coordinator, six rings with new England Patriots, not exactly the start to his second stint as a head coach that everyone expected, especially with the big names that have been brought in, Devontae Adams, um, re-signing Derek Carr, extending uh, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro on the defensive side. You bring in a guy like Chandler Jones, Max Crosby coming off the season that he did, and then boom, just nothing but a thud. How difficult is it, do do people not realize, in, in, in sort of just transitioning from a coordinator, to a head coaching standpoint, and then still trying to sort of be the coordinator also to wear two hats and put it all together with a superstar lineup.
0: Well, you know what? I mean, there's so many things that when I say the average fan, I don't mean that in a negative, uh, just the normal fan looks at, they don't know the intricacies that go on on a day-to-day basis over the entire off season. And, you know, last year when the Raiders, uh, ended up making the coaching change, and Rich Passacci took over. Obviously, he did a great job. The decision was made not to keep him. They moved on. They went with Josh. When Rich took over, there was a system in place. And so he really did a great job, really, of managing the situation and not trying to change the system. So things kept going forward. Now with a new coaching staff, offensively, defensively, new general manager, I mean, you got total turnover, so it is not going to be seamless. And I've known Josh for a long time have uh, spent time at the Patriots camp when I worked in the NFL office and have seen him work. Don't go to sleep on Josh. Don't give up on these guys, and I think the last two games are starting to show it. i you know, I think it speaks volumes from what I've seen that Derek Carr has said about working under Josh and the same thing about Devante. They've stood up and backed him, And Marcus has held fast in his uh, support of Josh. I think that's the right thing to do. And I think things are going to continue to improve. And they're going to end up right where you, where everybody in Las Vegas wants them to be, and uh, it, it it does take time. And I know people don't like to hear that, and especially now when everything's so immediate. You know, you go to your phone for immediate gratification on finding something out by googling it. Well, that doesn't happen in football. You know, it's it's getting eleven guys in every phase of the game to work together, and you know at you know. Basically act as one and that does take some time when you're going through change. So I think there's going to be a dramatic change and I think it's going to happen this year. I don't think this is going to be a two or three year, you know, wait for this to happen. I think they're going to see serious improvement as the year goes on because guys are starting to understand what, you know, what Josh is looking for. And, uh, I think it'll, everything will be fine.
3: You just gave the the listeners hope to to what we talked about in the first hour because Steve asked me if I thought that there was still a shot. Well, mathematically, they're still alive. They, I mean, they realistically need to win their last six games and, and win it out, and other things to obviously happen. But but the way that this le- this season has been so quirky and so weird, and I think the only team that's defied everybody's disbelief, thought thinking the Chiefs were going to fall off, the Chiefs are are looking right, great. But right. the Raiders, realistically and you've seen a lot more than uh, others from the sidelines they're still in this thing aren't they yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely they, are. they are and i've watched every game that i've that i could and, and you know there's plays here and plays there that were left on the field And, I mean, you can point fingers, whether it was coaching, whether it was players not making plays, you can't do that. You have to move on. But, you know, they've changed two or three plays, and they got two or three more wins, and we're not even talking this. So, again, if they just keep plugging, and now they've shown that they can win the close games, they can win the overtime games, the confidence level in that locker room is high. It's not, it's not in question. You know, the question comes from all the outside. It's outside noise. And from inside the locker room, I think that group is growing tighter and tighter. And I think they're going to experience really good success over the, over the next, whatever, uh, the final quarter of the season. And I think that things are going to turn out where Josh wants them to be and things are going to be going in the right direction. And, and just have patience.
3: Once again, speaking with the XFL Vipers D-line coach, Chuck Bresnahan, Raiders assistant, two-time Raiders assistant. I got one more for you, coach. Before we let you go, we're up against it. We've got one minute left. The other storyline I was talking about from coordinator to head coach, Monday, Marcus Arroyo is let go. Big question on everybody's mind. You've been through it. You've been with some big-time programs. You've been in and out of the NFL. At this point, facilities. Allegiant Stadium, is UNLV a place where somebody wants to coach, and I say somebody, I mean a big time, can this university draw a big-name coach?
0: Oh, I absolutely think they can. You know, I mean, just the fact that Allegiant is the stadium, and I think, you know, football coaches don't look at it per se like uh, the fan, the normal fan does, or, or just a sporting fan in general, because... You get an opportunity to go, say you're a position coach, become a first-time coordinator. You know, a lot of guys aren't as picky as people think. You know, you want that opportunity, and this is going to draw some names. Now, I really believe that. And and I think that, you know, it is a program that can experience big success. You just have to stay consistent and, you know, They'll, they'll draw some names, though. I, I, re- I really do believe that. And the the atmosphere in Las Vegas here has a lot to do with that.
3: Coach, we really appreciate you joining us. Once again, XFL Vipers D-line coach, Chuck Bresnahan, as the season gets closer. And, hey, if the Raiders make the playoffs, we look forward to having you back on. Thanks for joining us, Coach.
0: Sounds good. Go Vipers. Go Raiders.
1: There you go. Vegas Vipers, one of the assistants, Chuck Bresnahan. As uh, Willie said, long-time history with the Raiders as well. All right, 5 o'clock hours on the way. For Reno, you're going to go bye-bye. You can hear the show, the entire show, all three hours on the archives at lbsportsnetwork.com or check uh, Apple Pod for Cofield and Company and KWWN. This hour brought to you by Battleborne Injury or check that, 766-1400 is a number. And if you want tickets, you can put down to deposit now, xfl.com, Las Vegas.